This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 511. Great to have your company once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, 6 million Australians damaged their phones in the last year. Are you one of those? Now, there's a new repair service that comes to you. Telstra's 5G network is now within reach of 80% of the Australian population, and it's 10 years since Psy hit a billion views on YouTube with Gangnam Style. We take a look at the other music videos that have crossed that billion view mark and the records they set. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to run our eye over the brand new redesigned M2 MacBook Air. We're going to road test the new wearable Panasonic Sound Slayer gaming speakers. And we turn up the volume with the Soundbox Go outdoor speaker. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Now, are you one of the 6 million Australians who's damaged their smartphone in the last year? Or are you one of these people who's dropped their phone in the toilet? Or have you maybe handed your phone to your child and it was damaged after they dropped it? That's the case with more than 729,000 parents in Australia. 680,000 Aussies have dropped their phone in the toilet. So it is a rampant problem here. Now, the issue, of course, is finding a place to repair it and also do it quick smart. A lot of people delay that repair because they don't want to be without their device and they also can't find a place near them that can fix it for them and they don't have the time to go out and look for it. Well, there is a brand new service that's launched in Australia it's called Likewise Repair, Likewise spelt with a Z instead of an S, Likewise Repair. And this is a mobile service that comes to you. Now, they're only operating in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Sorry if you're from a, another capital city, but they are expanding to those other states in the near future. But they're going to they're gonna launch in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane to, to begin with. Uh, and so what they do, they, they will only repair Samsung and Apple smartphones. And let's face it, that, that's most of the market there. Uh, I've put a list of all the devices they will accept for repair on, on TechGuide. We're talking Galaxy S10 upwards and iPhone SEs and iPhone 10 upwards as well. So... basically phones from the last three or four years, five years, you can get fixed through this service. Now, what happens is the you make your booking online, specify the make and model of your phone, uh, give them your address, and they come to you in, in a specially fitted out van. So they turn up in a van, grab your phone, and in less than an hour, on average, is when the repair is done. Now, this is just music to these millions of Australians who have admitted to damaging their smartphones. A lot of them have damaged their smartphone in the first year they've owned it. So it's not like they've uh, – it's a brand-new phone they've damaged. They've dropped it, dropped it in the toilet, given it to their child, 
you know what happens. And the screen's damaged. So they'll, they'll look after the most common repairs, which are screen repairs. They'll also do rear panel repair, uh, also on Samsung devices as well. And on Samsung devices, they'll also do battery replacements as well, apparently. So you can book your repair. As I said, make and model of your phone. Uh, then you, you give them your address, book in a time, and then a trained and security-cleared technician, they specified. So... An honest technician arrives on your doorstep and will take less than one hour on average. So, you know, normally when you go up to a kiosk in a shopping centre and uh, they say, okay, I'll come back, go to your shopping, come back in two hours or whatever. Uh, well, you don't need to, they'll come to you and they're repairing it in a van out the front of your house or in your driveway. And then they'll hand your phone back repaired uh, in less than an hour. And all those repairs also come with a 12-month warranty also. I know this is a big problem for Australians. And look, touch wood, I've been using an iPhone since they came out, so for 15 years, and touch wood, never broken a screen. I'm touching wood again because uh, I don't want it to happen to me. I'm always very careful. I've always got a case on my phone. Of uh, Every time one of my kids, uh, oh, they've broken their screen, I tell them, I said, oh, you've been using the phone for five minutes, I've been using it for 15 years, and you managed to break your phone, uh, and I don't. Anyway, like I said, touching wood once more. I don't want it to happen to me, but I am very careful with my phone. Uh, I don't go near the toilet with it. Uh, I don't. Oh, my kids are in their 20s now, so I don't have to hand it off to a child and so for them to drop it. But again, the parent with the, with the phone for the kid, put a case on it. Make sure it's uh, got a solid case and, and make sure that it's, uh, you know, it's protected at least that way. I don't know how hard these kids are dropping these phones, but uh, it is an issue. Now, the study also, uh, likewise did a study, the study also showed that 17% were willing to pay for this come-to-you service. The other thing is, too, though, that 40% of adults who's da- who have damaged their phones were frustrated because the, some of the, the you, you break your screen, the phone's not, not fully functional anymore. There's things that happen. Obviously, that's a frustration. Now, a third of those customers that are walking around with damaged phones that don't work properly have waited more than a month to get it fixed. How do you do that? You know, if that was me, I'd have to get it repaired that day. So this service is right up my alley. If this ever happened, I would ha- happily book this in, get them to come to my house and get them to fix it on the spot. So uh, I think uh, this is going to be a popular one because uh, I don't know whether you're a clumsy mumsy and you drop your phone or uh, a dumpy dad, you drop, drop your device. But rest assured, Help is on the way if you go through likewiserepair.com.au. The list of the phones that are accepted for repair are on Tech Guide, as is a link if you want to book a smartphone repair at your place. So check that story out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Telstra have been in the news once again for a couple of reasons. First of all, let's talk about the fact that their 5G network now reaches 80% of the Australian population as of June 2022. So that's uh, within reach of 80%. And they've got a plan to make that figure 95% by 2025. That last 15%, it's very hard. So they are uh, hoping to get that done within the next... Do you think... I'm surprised that an extra 15% will take up to three years to do that. They've been at it for about three years, three and a half to four years, actually. So they've gone from zero to 80% in four years. 
uh, that last 15% is going to take, or the, the next 15%, I should say, is going to take a little bit longer. The 5G rollout, uh, and I've followed this closely over the years, began back in 2019. It was the first telco to offer a 5G smartphone, including, and that first phone was the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G. So you need to put 5G in the title back then because now we just assume a phone's 5G. 5G had to be in the title of the phone for you to uh, know that. Now, I was there when Telstra demonstrated the Galaxy S10 5G on its brand new 5G network. It achieved, in front of me, a download speed of 1.216 gigabits per second. That's on the 5G network three and a half years ago, which is pretty impressive. Now, from there, Telstra actually set a pretty ambitious rollout target. By mid twenty, by by May twenty nineteen, it also had its first five G hub. Remember that device from HTC. Uh, by October twenty twenty, forty one percent of the population was uh, accessing the five G network. Uh, by August, uh, by or by June twenty twenty one, so a year ago. They hit 75%. So it's taken them a year to get from 75 to 80%. Uh, and in late 2020, also, they've demonstrated 5G home internet plans for the for the first time. They offered 5G home internet. Uh, so it's been quite the journey. There's also talk as well of millimeter wave. So what the, what the, ba- the main part of the 5G network is what they call sub-6, which is kind of your more durable, uh, resilient 5G. It has a, a longer range uh, and decent speed, but millimetre wave has a shorter range but higher speed. So it's designed for those densely populated areas. So like you can imagine airports, stadiums, all these places that uh, millimetre wave would benefit. So increased capacity, increased speed, perfect for those occasions where there's a lot of people in one place accessing the same cell tower. That's where millimetre wave will come into play. And on millimetre wave, Telstra in Sydney, they got speed, they achieved 3.6 gigabits per second on millimetre wave 5G in Sydney, which is remarkable. Telstra's 4G coverage, by the way, is 99.4% of the Australian population. And uh, it is uh, aiming, as I said, to have 95% by 2025. Now, here's the other bit of Telstra news. Telstra is bringing its call centres back to Australia. Now, I'll just pause for the cheering that I, that's going on in the background. This is a big move, I think, uh, on, on Telstra's part. Having their foreign call centres has no doubt been a frustration for Telstra customers and other customers, Optus and Vodafone, they do the same. I'm an Optus customer. I rang, I rang uh, Optus and was wanting to uh, start the process to update f- to fibre to the premises, and spoke to a young lady. Lovely she was in the, in the Philippines, but she had no idea. She did not know a thing about my account and its capabilities and what was going on here. And I had to go through someone here in Australia to set me set it all straight. Now I'm sure that also applies to Telstra customers who have frustrated of if you want to ring anything about Foxtel Telstra you ring the Philippines and it's a sometimes hard to understand I've got to say it's hard to understand them sometimes but it is also they're not where you live so if you're calling about something that's happening in your area they are blissfully unaware of any kind of weather conditions any kind of emergencies flooding bushfires they know nothing they're in another country 
So what Telstra aims to do with its new call centres here is set them up around the country. So there's more than 2,000 new team members scattered around the, around the country, or across Australia, that are going to answer calls from consumers and small business customers also. And what the, the objective here is to place these calls, say someone's ringing from Bathurst in, in country New South Wales, then the chances are, if you're ringing from that area, you're going to be you your call's going to be answered by someone in that area, so they know what's going on in your area. Uh, they will have their main hubs, of course, but they're setting people up in sort of hybrid workspaces so they can act as the call center to deal with any issues you might be having. Now, if you're in an area that's there might be bad weather's just gone through your area. I remember years ago, I was uh, a, a storm had ripped through ripped through Sydney, and my internet was knocked out. And I remember calling Optus to sort of see, look, is it me? Is it the weather? What the hell's going on? They had no clue. They were in India, this call centre. And I asked the bloke, I said, what's the weather like where you? He goes, oh, very hot, very hot here. I said, do you know what the weather's like here? He said, no, I don't. I said, well, I explained to him there was a massive storm, high winds, trees are down. So he had no clue. He said, no, your service appears to be working. And it wasn't. So, again, another reason to be frustrated at the talking to someone who's in another country who's no idea what's happening in your neighbourhood. Well, with this Telstra move, uh, they are going to know what's happening in your neighbourhood, and I think that's, gonna, that's a winner for Telstra. I applaud this move, and I think it's only a matter of time before Optus and the other big telcos decide to follow suit. So good on Telstra for taking the initiative here. I think that's a really smart move. If you want to read more about Telstra's 5G, their rollout increasing to 80% of the population and their call centres coming to Australia, that's another big move. Check it out, techguide.com.au. Now, what do you think when you hear this? Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. No, you're not listening to a music podcast. You are listening to Psy uh, and his Gangnam Style song. When it was, it's been ten years since it was uploaded to YouTube, and it became the first, the first music video to hit one billion views. Ten years since that happened. That's a bit of an earworm, don't you reckon? That that I've, I've listened to that many times on YouTube. A lot of those uh, listens are, are on my account there. But it is, uh, it is a remarkable achievement. Sai's song, uh, Gangnam Style, now has more than 4.4 billion views. How many times have you heard it? Be honest. It did set quite a record, and it really kicked off what YouTube's now calling the Billion Views Club. Gangnam Style started off the trend. But many artists have followed soon, including a few Australians, would you believe, like Sia with Chandelier uh, and Cheap Thrills. Tones and I with Dance Monkey, Iggy Azalea with Fancy, and of course, Akadaka with Thunderstruck. 
So it, it's uh, Gangnam Style, Psy, has set quite the precedent. He debuted that song on YouTube on July 12, 2012. So that's 10 years ago, can you believe? And viewers around the world flocked online to see and hear this viral sensation. It was incredible. By December 2012, it was the first music video to hit 1 billion views. And now, as I said, up to it's gone past 4.4 billion views as well. Now, it was, I think, the time that demonstrated that music videos really connect with people on YouTube. It's uh, how, how good was it? I, I remember years ago watching music programs and, you know, this is before YouTube, and hoping that a song you liked would come on. You'd watch Rage or one of these other like Sounds Unlimited, whatever, song, whatever show you were watching, and you were hoping that a song, a good song that you liked would come on. Imagine if I could go back and tell my 14-year-old self that, you know, one day you're going to sit in front of a computer and you can play any music video you want on this little platform called YouTube. I would have told my future self, uh, I would have asked about the Powerball numbers as well and um, who the the next 20 Melbourne Cup winners would be. But uh, I would have been amazed at that news. And it's, it's, it's a reality. Now, the... Other artists that have also followed suit, that have also joined the Billion Views Club, uh, have also set some records along the way. So it's really, it's a time now we can look back at some of these incredible records. Now, let's look at the artists with more than one, the most official uh, music video entries in the Billion Views Club. And Bal- Jay Balvin and Justin Bieber are actually tied for 11. So they've got 11 music videos that have been viewed a billion times or more. Now, what about the fastest music videos to reach a billion views? That honour goes to Adele. When she released her song, Hello, it took just 88 days to reach a billion views. Second on that list is Ed Sheeran. His song, Shape of You, the official music video, took 97 days to cross the billion view mark. So uh, it's pretty cool. Now, what's the most viewed music video of all time, I hear you ask? It's Louis Fonzi with Despaccio featuring Daddy Yankee. Number two is Ed Sheeran's Shape of You is now up to 5.7 billion. So they've overtaken a good old sigh. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, See You Again, uh, featuring Charlie Puth. That's uh, on the from the Furious Seven soundtrack. That's been viewed five point five billion times. Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk, featuring Bruno Mars, four point six billion. And good old Sigh with Gangnam Style. He comes in fifth at four point four billion. But he was the first to hit a billion, though. They can't take that off him. The nineteen seventies music video. So let's go by the decades now. Pre-2000, so 1970s music videos in the Billion Views Club. Can you guess which song this is by Queen? Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a hit of Billion Views. The 1980s music video in the Billion Views Club. There's a few. Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Great song. Aha, Take On Me. Also has more than a billion views from the 80s. We're talking 80s music here. Michael Jackson, Billie Jean. Good old Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up, also has a billion views. Cindy Lauper, Just Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And Europe, 
The Final Countdown, also a billion views from the 80s. Now, in the 90s, Guns N' Roses are one of the, the – they've, they've had an entry in the 80s and an entry in the 90s. In the, in the 80s, Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, that had uh, a billion views. In the 90s, November Rain, for them, had a billion views, as did Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Also in the 90s, Zombie by the Cranberries, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, and What's Up by Four Non-Blondes. Incredible. So many music videos now with more than a billion views, but it began with our South Korean friend, the South Korean superstar, Psy, and his song Gangnam Style, which I'm going to be hearing now. It's in my ear now for good. I don't know if it's the same for you, but... I'm a fan. I like that song. I know a lot of people don't like that song, but I'm a fan. I'm going to go and listen to it again a little bit later. If you want to read more about that story, and you can, there's all links to all the videos that I mentioned, by the way, uh, from the 80s, the 70s, all, the, all those, and all the others that uh, set the records, uh, all linked on Tech Guide, so you can click them and hear, and it'll take you directly to YouTube, so you can enjoy them to your heart's content. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. The dark web is an underground part of the web that isn't searchable through regular search engines. It's where cyber criminals buy and sell illicit items and stolen personal information like bank account details, home addresses, credit card information and more. Norton 360 Premium offers dark web monitoring, which searches the dark web markets for your personal details, and if discovered, will notify you. Norton 360 also has multiple layers of protection for your devices, online privacy like a secure VPN, and dark web monitoring, all in a single solution. With real-time threat protection to help protect you and your devices from existing and emerging online threats, parental control to help manage your kids' online time, school time to manage your child's remote learning, a password manager to generate, store and manage your passwords and other credentials more securely, safe cam for PC and SMS security as well. Norton 360 Premium for PCs, Macs, smartphones or tablets is available online at au.norton.com or an electrical retailer. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Let's kick off these reviews. And the first one is the brand new M2 MacBook Air. Now, this is new on a couple of fronts here. Uh, Number one, it's got an M2 processor, so brand new Apple Silicon on board. But it also has this fresh new design. It's the first time the MacBook Air has undergone a major redesign since it was introduced back in 2008. And I was actually there. The MacBook Air launch in 2008 was at their Macworld Expo in in San Francisco in January 2008. And Steve Jobs was on stage presenting. And I can recall him removing the MacBook Air from an inter-office envelope. Remember those white on big big yellow envelopes and one name is, is written on it, scribbled out, then the next person who needs an inter-office message. He pulled it out of one of those tiny little envelopes. I'll never forget it. But it's come a long way, of course. The M2 MacBook Air now has uh, a new design. So it's lost that tapered design. Remember that it used to be thicker at the back, thinner at the, thinner at the, at the front. 
and is now just consistent the thickness of 11.3 millimetres. It also has 20% less volume than the previous model as well, weighs just 1.24 kilos, so pretty light. Also comes in four new colours. The uh, What we had for our review was Starlight. There's also Silver, Space Grey and Midnight. Now Starlight is sort of a little bit silver, a little bit rose gold, a little bit grey, sort of a mixture of all those. Midnight is more a has more of a bluish hue to it, not not quite black. It's midnight is bluey, more blue than than black, but it is quite dark. Uh, yeah, well, we had the starlight as I said. Um, the MacBook Air, it was we used it of course for our review as our daily driver, so we had it everywhere with us. We carried it around. It, it's so light. I, I had it in my backpack, and you'd forget it was there. It was just so light. It's uh, it's it's really it, it, it still offers the power, but uh, is is really thin, really light, and also really fast. We'll talk about performance in a minute, though. Uh, just on the design side as well, they've also introduced MagSafe. They've reintroduced MagSafe so that the charging cord attaches magnetically and then detaches harmlessly if someone trips over it. So normally, if you had this plugged in with a normal cable, someone trips over it, it, it would send your laptop flying across the room. But now with MagSafe, it just detaches. No, no one's hurt. Nothing's wrong. And uh, and it's all good. Uh, it also has two Thunderbolt uh, ports as well, so the USB-C shaped ports. Uh, that supports, uh, be able to allow you to connect it to a monitor or a hard drive, whatever whatever accessory you want to connect it to. Uh, but it also is a, you can charge through the USB-C port as well, as well as MagSafe. So MagSafe gets you the fastest charger now. It comes with a 35-watt charger, uh, and the charger actually has two USB-C ports, so, and it can allocate power based on the connected device. So if it knows it's connected to an iPhone and it knows the other one's connected to the MacBook Air, It'll, it'll allocate the right power based on the device. So with the MacBook Air, 35 watt comes in the box, but you can buy a 67 watt USB-C charger. So because it's fast charge compatible, it will take you to 50% charge in about 30 minutes. Which is incredible. If you're uh, if you're on the go, you need to recharge, or say you're in you're at home and you need to. You've hardly got any charge left on your on your laptop, and you know on the MacBook you've got to go out for half the day. You know that a quick half an hour charge gets you to fifty percent charge is incredible. So that'll keep you going until lunchtime, where you can actually plug it in and charge it up the rest of the way. The MacBook Air has a thirteen point six inch liquid retina display, and now has a notch at the top of the screen, similar to the the MacBook Pro fourteen inch and sixteen inch. They're the ones that running MacBook the M1 Max and M1 Pro chips. So now instead of having just a consistent menu bar at the top, there's now slightly more room. So 13.6 inches. It's also got thinner bezels than it has before. So you get that little bit of extra space, but it does have a little notch at the top, and that's for your FaceTime camera, the FaceTime HD camera, I should say. It's twice the resolution and now offers better low-light performance. And how many times have we connected remotely? I think that's become a, a key feature for many customers. Uh, the sound is also pretty cool on this thing. There's a four-speaker sound system on board, supports spatial audio and Dolby Atmos. We kicked back with a few movies and also played some games. The The audio quality is uh, surprisingly good. The The MacBook uh, the MacBook Air has the full keyboard, 
It's their Magic Keyboard, so it's similar to what you'll see on the MacBook Pro. Full height row of function keys, has the Touch ID sensor on the top right-hand side, so easy to log into the computer itself, I'll wake it up. Easy to approve purchases and downloads as well. And it has also, uh, it, it, the, I, I find it really comfortable typing on it, so the, the travel on the keys is, is quite nice. It's not too loud. It's pretty quiet, actually. So uh, if you're used to typing on any kind of Mac, MacBook Pro, even the Mac, the Mac keyboard you get with an iMac, you're going to like this keyboard because it's very similar. But not all the changes are about the design. Let's talk about the M2 chip as well. And there's an, there is an, this is an 8-core processor, uh, up to 10-core GPU, 16-core neural engine, Faster unified memory. Unified memory is what they what they formerly known as RAM. Okay, so unified memory is the old RAM, uh, and also up to a, a hundred gigabits per second, gigabytes per second bandwidth. Now I don't know about you and whether that means anything, but let's just say it is noticeably faster than the M1 MacBook Air and way faster than an Intel MacBook Air. I think most of the customers coming to the MacBook Air. I'd say the majority will be customers coming from an Intel-based Mac, and they are going to the the improvement in speed and battery life is like a slap in the face. It's really surprising. I've written that from Intel to M1, I've never seen a bigger improvement from model to model in terms of battery life and performance than I have with that computer. Now, if you're coming from M1, which is what I'm doing, to M2, you will notice an incremental improvement. An improvement nonetheless, but it's not like like Final Cut Pro, for example, is like 1.5 times faster than it was before. But if you're coming from Intel, so if you're using Final Cut Pro on an Intel MacBook Air, it's going to be 15 times faster, which is, whoa, that's huge. A lot of people say, no, it's only a little improvement over the M1. Yeah, that's right. But you got to remember, the customer that's going to buy the M2 is not an M1 customer. The majority will be coming from Intel. So keep that in mind because it is a remarkable improvement, especially on the battery too. Battery-wise, I was running this thing for two full work days before I had to charge it again. So incredible performance. And that's all due to this, this new M2 chip and the power efficiency it's got. The, that unified memory works a bit more efficiently as well. So I think a great improvement across the board. I've heard a, I've had a lot of questions from from people asking because the MacBook I spoke about and reviewed the M2 MacBook Pro about three or four weeks ago, and it is a thousand dollars more expensive than this new MacBook Air. So the MacBook Air with M2 is eighteen ninety nine Aussie dollars, so one thousand eight hundred ninety nine bucks. The MacBook Pro is one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine bucks. And people are saying, well, why I might get might as well get the MacBook Air. It's a hundred bucks cheaper kind of does the same thing well kind of it does but kind of it doesn't as well because one thing that the macbook pro has that the macbook air does not is active cooling we all know that if the something if you're having a heavy heavy hit on the processor it does create heat now the macbook pro with its active cooling if it does run into, if it's in the middle of an eight-hour render that you've left for overnight and things are starting to heat up, the active cooling comes into play, cools things down, and performance still is able to stay at that peak level. Now, with the MacBook Air, which doesn't have active cooling, you can still do those tasks 
but it will do it in bursts. It won't do it at peak performance for hours and hours at a time because things get a bit warm. It needs to pull back a touch and then come back again. So if you're a professional who needs stuff happening at its peak performance all the time, then a MacBook Pro is probably more your cup of tea. It might look, unfortunately, it's the same design as last year's model, but it's that M2 chip and the active cooling that does the trick, that does all the heavy lifting. If you're, not, if you're a MacBook Air, M2 MacBook Air user, you can still do your final cut. You can still do all these things, but unless you're hammering this thing with really complex uh, complex things, multi, multi-layered audio or 8K video editing or complex 3D rendering, then it is going to take a breather from time to time. It's not going to be a consistently high performance. It won't, it won't be able to keep up with a MacBook Pro, which has that active cooling. I just wanted to get that, make that clear. The other thing I want to make clear as well is that despite this being an M2, it's still not as fast and doesn't match the performance of an M1 Pro and the M1 Max, which are the chips you'll find on the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros. So just manage your expectations with that as well. M2, yes, it's better than M1, but it's not better than M1 Max and M1 Pro. So I think there is, hopefully I've I've explained the differences there between all of those different MacBooks and the chips and what you can expect from them as well. The MacBook Air, look, it can handle everything. Like I said, you can throw whatever you throw at it, it'll handle it. It'll just do it in shorter bursts. Now, I mentioned battery life. Battery life is a big winner here. You get up to a couple of days battery life, which I think is incredible. Uh, and and for the for the price, $18.99, that, that gets you 8 gigabytes of unified memory. Personally, I'd trick that up to 16 gig. And so the entry level, $18.99, 8 gig unified memory, 256 SSD drive, so solid state storage. So what I would do, what I would order, I'd get a 16 gig and I'd probably go to a terabyte a terabyte of storage. So that'll probably add about $1,000 to the price, but uh, you're getting a better computer, a faster computer with much more storage. The M2 MacBook Air transformed inside and out, and I think an incredible solution, a really attractive solution. Looks great, performs just as well. And if you're in the market for a really good uh, uh, MacBook computer, a MacBook, uh, I, I would, would, would recommend the M2 MacBook Air Without hesitation, this is an excellent laptop. Unless you're that pro-level user, then, of course, you probably look at the MacBook Pro, the M2 MacBook Pro, which is only available in 13-inch. I'd imagine later this year, the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros are going to be updated to the M2 Max and M2 Pro, so you may want to hang out for those. But for the meantime, the M2 MacBook Air is a stunning laptop that I'm using now as my daily driver and will continue to use. You want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, we all love gaming. And one thing I like about gaming is that Games have become as uh, as quality as high quality as movies. So you're getting not only great graphics and image quality, but also great sound. Sound in games is phenomenal, and a great way to enjoy that sound is with the Panasonic Sound Slayer. Now this is a wearable gaming speaker. I'll say that again: wearable. You put it around your neck. It's like uh, it's like not like a you know when you when you're out of the shower, you put a towel around your neck. 
and just hangs hangs down the front. That's ex- kind of what you do with the uh, the Panasonic Sound Slayer. Sort of goes around the back of your neck and hangs just on just over the top of your shoulders, over your collarbone, but it puts the speakers right below your ears. There's four channels on this thing, and they are positioned right underneath your ears. And so this gets you some incredible surround sound effects. And because of the placement of the speakers, you can actually hear the separation between all the different channels. So uh, I think this is a really interesting concept. Now, wearing it, it only weighs 244 grams. So don't be worried you're going to be weighed down by this big heavy thing. It's not heavy at all. You put it around your neck, uh, it's not real heavy. You, You can wear it for hours comfortably without an issue. Now, if you get a bit sweaty or around your neck, you might that might be an irritation. But I think if you're in a well-ventilated room and you're not a sweater, then this should be fine. It, I wore it myself. It is pretty comfortable. does sound good. So having those speakers under my ears really does help. A uh, couple of the, the difference here, of course, is when you're wearing headphones, you, only you can hear the sound and you're cut off from the rest of the world. This is the opposite of that. So this is you're not wearing headphones, but and you everyone you can hear quite well, but everyone else can hear it also. So it's no different to playing your computer game through the TV speakers or your computer speakers on your PC. And if it's it's opposite to a headphone. So headphone is you cut off from the rest of the world hearing. You can just hear it. Uh, this is you not cut off from the rest of the world and everyone hearing what you're doing. Now, I mentioned the onboard four-channel speakers. Their placement right below your ears means you can hear the separation and appear. you can appreciate the directional sound in games. I'll talk a bit in a minute about the modes. The It will work through the three-meter USB cable, so you can easily sit on your couch and it'll still reach your console. Uh, it'll work with a Mac, a PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, uh, and the Nintendo Switch. And it has a three-meter cable, as I mentioned, so uh, really easy to still be sitting on your couch while playing through your TV. There's also a microphone on board, so it has the built-in echo noise cancellation, so you can easily be heard. Uh, The that's a big part of the game. You've got to be chatting, of course, so you've got to hear that uh, that proper dialogue. But uh, it, it is a little, it is a bit of a departure from what you'd normally expect from. A gaming device, a gaming gaming headphones, but it does it does do a good job. Look, I think sound quality wise, probably not in the same ballpark as headphones that you could buy uh, for this price. This isn't cheap. This is three hundred and seventy nine, three hundred twenty nine bucks. So if you went and if you went out and spent three hundred twenty nine dollars on headphones, gaming headphones. The sound quality you get, I reckon, is probably slightly better than what you'll hear out of this thing. Now, what you won't get, what what the big the big tick with this one is that its surround sound effects are really good. Now, I mentioned the modes earlier. There is there are separate game sound modes. So there's first person shooter mode, that was our favourite, and what that does, it lets you hit, clearly hear footsteps and other ambient sounds, so you can easily place your enemies and other obstacles that are in your way. There's also role-playing game mode, and that's more of a gives you more of a surround sound feel and puts you right in the center of the fantasy world that you're in. 
Uh, there's also voice mode, so you can hear clearer dialogue through the speakers as well. And and you should you should we let you know that the you can also use this for watching movies and listening to music. There is, there is a separate movie and music mode for you. You might want to plug this into your TV or your computer and kick back and have that surround sound right there on your neck so you can enjoy your movies and your music as well. So uh, I think not a bad option. Now, are they better than regular gaming headphones? Yes and no. Yes, better, better surround effect, I reckon, with the Sound Slayer. No, because of the slightly inferior audio quality when compared to headphones of a... You buy a $300 pair of gaming headphones, they're going to sound great. Probably better than the, than the Sound Slayer, uh, especially for the price you're paying. But still, it's different. If you don't like having headphones on when you're playing, if you prefer to have that sort of uncluttered, unfettered sort of play, play uh, gameplay, you don't like to wear headphones, then the Sound Slayer might be just for you, just draped over your shoulder. You're not going to even notice it's there. The sound's right below your ears. Audio quality is respectable. And it's all priced at 329 bucks. If you want to read our complete review and take a look at it too, you uh, to understand what I'm talking about, really, you probably should go to our website and take a look at the, at the, uh, the speakers. They don't look too bad. Rest on your shoulder quite easily. The Sound Slayer from Panasonic, if you want to check out that story, check it out, techguide.com.au. While on the subject of audio, here's a completely different proposition here. We're talking about the Soundbox Go. Soundbox is spelt B-O-K-S, like Springbox, Soundbox. The Soundbox Go is a giant speaker, and it's a giant loud speaker. Emphasis on the word loud. Size does matter when it, does, when it comes to speakers, I reckon. Now, this is, it's a beast. It weighs 9.2 kilos. It's 45.9 centimetres wide, 31.6 centimetres high, 26.6 centimetres deep. So it's a chunky lad, this one. The Soundbox Go has a dent-proof chassis. Uh, it's got this reinforced cabinet and grille. It's made from ABS and polycarbonate. It's got a silicon rubber bumper around the front uh, and the back edge as well. So you drop it, it can handle it. It is pretty heavy, so avoid dropping it, although it can handle it if you do drop it. It has a loop strap so you can carry it over your shoulder or a little little handle so you can carry it around like a suitcase. And it's one of those things, having the handle, having the strap, the carry strap is important because this isn't something you just play in your bedroom. You take this out. It's an outdoor speaker. You can play it loud. It has an IP65 rating, so it can handle a little splash if you're outdoors by the pool or down the beach. And the sound quality, though, like its construction, like its build, is big. It's got two 72-watt continuous Class D amplifiers on board, has a 10-inch woofer and a 1-inch silk dome tweeter. Also has a bass enhancer, so, uh, not, and that just not only improves the bass, but it just makes everything louder. It is a loud, loud speaker. It can get up to 121 decibels. That's kind of like going to a, uh, a concert. Pretty loud concert, that one. Your neighbours will really appreciate this too, by the way. And the sound, I think the, the best description is the sound has scale to it. It's, it's not quite... 
it's not quite as crisp and detailed as a say a smaller speaker. It, it's meant to be played at high volume. So uh, this actually there is a setting goes to eleven. It does you know on this is Spinal Tap. Turn it up to eleven. Uh, this does go to eleven, and you not only hear the sound. That's when you feel the sound as well. Now get this: you can connect your, you can connect the sound box go to up to five other sound box go speakers. So if you want to be heard in the next suburb, go for your life. That's that's going to be a loud party. That one, no doubt, the police will be called by the neighbours. But five of them you can you can you can put together. And as I mentioned, quality it's impressive, but. This is not the speaker. If you're after subtlety and nuance and detail, this isn't the speaker for you. You, you, There are better choices elsewhere. If you really want to hear every single note and the quality and everything happening, this has that, but not in broader strokes. It's much much more meant to be played loud and hard. That's, That's the audience for this one. So if you're... You're on a you got a party or you're outdoors, you want to really charge it up, empower the whole thing, go hard or go home. It's a large speaker, has a large removable battery, can run up to 40 hours at mid-volume, 10 hours at full volume, which is, that's all day, full volume. The It is a big battery, though. It takes three and a half hours to fully recharge it. And here's what got me, okay? It says on the website, don't plug in the power if you're playing at level five volume or above. Now, this is what it says on their website. Doing this can cause your speaker to pop, so beware. Imagine that. You play it loud, you plug it in, it's going to pop. I don't know. Does that mean it's going to break? Anyhow, be careful. If it's above level five, just don't go near the thing with the PowerPoint, near the plug, and just hear your music, appreciate the loud music, so it's a big sound, but also a big price. The Soundbox uh, Go is not cheap. It's 1099 bucks, but it's a big unit. It is a massive speaker. Big sound, big price, but it will satisfy those music lovers who, like I said, they don't want to just hear the music. They want to unleash the music. The Soundbox Go is the speaker for you. If you want to find out a little bit more about the Soundbox Go, you can read our complete review at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6G is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad-band whole home mesh system that opens up an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. As it says on the box, the Tech Guide Help Desk, it's proudly supported, though, by Belkin. Belkin, you can find many of their products in Apple stores. So if you're after a cable, a power bank, 
a MagSafe accessory. The Belkin name is something uh, that to look for. Check it out at belkin.com forward slash AU. I get asked so often, uh, especially by our older listeners and readers, that they love their radio. And yeah, I love the radio too. I'm on the radio a lot. I'm on 2GB three times a week. So tune in and check it out. But the question I get is, look, I, I want to buy a radio. What sort of radio should I buy? Uh, my answer is always the same. Forget the radio. Buy a smart speaker. You can buy a digital radio if you want. If you're in the reception area, so you need to be living in sort of metropolitan area, you can access the, the, the digital stations. But I think a smart speaker does the trick because you set it up, connect it to your Wi-Fi, and you just ask the speaker to play the station you want. You might say, Alexa. You might say, hey, Google. I'm sending off everyone's speakers now. And you're able to then tap into the to hear the radio station. And I gave this to my parents. I gave this to my mother-in-law. And they just talk to the speaker. They love this thing. They love, they love the radio. And rather than fiddling around with the dial and turning it on, they just say, play 2GB. And it does. And whatever other station you might want to play. And I want to tell this to people, especially on live radio, they are surprised. I think, really, you could do that? Like they, they aren't aware that these smart speakers even exist and, the, and what they can do. This is one of many features they discover with the smart speaker. And the good news is, too, and I've done this with my parents, they can add smart products to that speaker later. So they, can, they might have a light. They might say, Alexa, turn the light blue or whatever they, they choose to say or turn it off or on or whatever. It kind of is a really good on-ramping into a smartphone. So give someone, gift someone you know a smart speaker and help them out because you know what that will do as well? It'll give you an excuse to buy them, say, for future birthdays, Christmas, a smart product. So buy them a smart speaker now, then give them a smart speaker or a smart light strip or a smart switch or something that they can connect. And that way, not only are they listening to the radio, but they're also taking full control of their home. That is the end of our show for this week. Thank you for hanging around. Anything you need, anything we've spoken about, you can check out the full story at techguide.com.au. And we love it when you get in touch with us. So hit us up at info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon and that will uh, send me an email as well. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors who support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 